Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real-life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. I'm really excited to introduce my next guest. Not only is he my mentor and coach, but he has sat at the same table and has worked alongside guys like Tony Robbins and Gary Vee, changing and empowering the lives of people all over the world. From the time I've spent with this guest, I can say he is a man who genuinely wants to help people and has the skill set to do that. Some say he's dangerous, others say he looks strikingly similar to Steve Austin. Whether it's Stone Cold Steve Austin or the $6 million man, I'll let you decide. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Keith Veritas Wagner. Dr. Wagner, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Wow. What a fantastic intro. Steve Austin, uh, all of them. I'll take it all, man. Thank you. <laughs> You'll take both both Steve Austin, uh, Million Dollar Man, and uh, Stone Cold? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, st- I still have that bionic eye look that I can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, before we get into it, I'd like to just do a quick little promotion. Um, Dr. Wagner is the founder of Operation Rescue Children which uh, is a nonprofit organization that arms rescuers with the tactical training they need to enter the darkest corners of the world, take down human traffickers, and set captives free. You can find more information at operationrescuechildren.org. And you could also learn more about Dr. Wagner and his other services at keithwagner.com. That's spelled W-A-G-G-O-N-E-R, keithwagner.com. And he also does immersion events and coaching. So if you want to find more information about that, go to undisputedmastery.com. I think I got all of them, right? You, you did. Well done. <laughs> Most of them, at least. I know, I know you're a serial entrepreneur and uh, just have your hands in so many great, exciting things. Um, but before we get into your story and how your mission in life can only be described as extraordinary, I want to ask you this one very important question. How are you doing? <laughs> That's my favorite question. No, really. How are you really doing? I'm really doing fantastic, brother. Really good. I'm competent. I'm dangerous. I'm filled with grace and mercy from our Lord. So, man, I'm doing great. I really, really am. Things are wonderful. That doesn't mean everything is pleasant or happy. Some things are very, very painful, right? Especially when you do the type of work I do. I join people every day in their deepest moments of sorrow. And I also get to to celebrate with them the greatest triumphs of their life. And like with Operation Rescue Children, man, we see, you know, the darkest, like you read, we we see the darkest corners of the world. And so when I say I'm great, it means that, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission. That's right. And uh, that greatness is the honor I have of being right in the heart of, in the middle of all of that. No, it's, it's awesome. And we will definitely get into Operation Rescue Children. I, I believe I told you I had Adam Oak Parker on. Uh, yeah. a couple episodes ago. And uh, he's been doing such great things on the other side of the world with Operation Rescue Children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, since I know you personally, I know there's so many great things that you do, but I would like to rewind a little bit and kind of just start from the beginning. Where where were you uh, born and raised? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, and I don't know if it's, this is okay, uh, but I want to also put a plug in. You're right there joining this fight with us in Operation Rescue Children, man. And you're the real deal. Those of you listening to Matthew Haggerty, Mr. Ace, he's the real deal. Listen to this guy. He's got good stuff for you. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I tell people that uh, 
I'm just a body here asking questions, but um, no, your your compliments mean the world to me because uh, all I'm trying to do is just, I guess when it comes down to it, just make God proud and just do what I can do to help other people every day and just try to better myself. And you're doing it and you're doing it with us. You're on the board with us and you're changing lives and you're leading, you're writing books, man. I'm so proud of you, Matthew. I really am. <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I, I know you live in, um, in Arkansas right now. Is, is that where you were born or? Okay. No, I was born in Anderson, Indiana, lived up there off and on. Uh, my parents are, were from Arkansas. They moved up there to be a part of the GM factory explosion in the fifties and sixties. And so they were up there mm-hmm. working in factories, blue collar people. Uh, and when all that started to go defunct, uh, in the seventies, um, they would move back to Arkansas and also Missouri. So I've moved around a lot as a child, but that's where I was born. Kind of raised more, okay. more or less different places, Arkansas, Missouri, Indiana, but yeah, that's where I was born. Yeah. Would, would you say there was a pretty strong like Midwestern or Southern influence on your childhood and your upbringing? Definitely. Yeah. My uh, parents and grandparents, of course, being from, um, Northeastern Arkansas. So we consider ourselves proud hillbillies, <laughs> yeah. appreciating the outdoors, self-reliance and resourcefulness, right? There's just some good, good people of the earth that I hail from. I'm very proud of them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know, I know you spend a lot of your day and a big part of your mission is helping people, empowering them in so many different ways with your, your skill set, with your coaching and uh, mentorship. But was that always the case? Was this always the route you thought you were going to take when you were younger? Or uh, tell me a little bit about adolescence and if this was always the path you're on or if there was something that might have happened that kind of turned the path for you. Oh, great questions, man. Um, Yeah, I mean, early on, uh, I wanted to be after I watched Top Gun in 1985 or 86, whatever it was, uh, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. So I trained for that and, you know, thought that that was in my mindset the whole time that I was going to relive Top Gun. My dad was in the Air Force, and so I I had a path laid out for me. Uh, But then I met a young woman, and like falling in love does a lot of times, it changed my trajectory. And then instead, Mm -hmm. I went to pre-med, and I started to be a medical doctor. And in order to put myself through college, I worked at a, a substance abuse treatment facility. And just fell in love with that work because my father himself is an alcoholic. And, you know, I, my sisters and I experienced the ravages in my mother of that. Now, you know, no way to put my father down. I've reconciled all of that and have pictures of my father right here in my office that I look at fondly. But it is what it is. And so because of that pathway, you know, I did some deep soul searching as a young man, as an undergrad college student, and changed my major to psychology and became uh, first a substance abuse counselor. Uh, and then went on and got a master's degree in marriage and family therapy uh, to become a marriage and family therapist. And then went on and got a couple of PhDs, one in clinical psychology and another one in theology. Awesome. So I kind of came through coaching via route, the clinical side of things, uh, and then uh, leaped over into entrepreneurialism and coaching via my exposure to Tony Robbins back in the 90s. So that's how I made the yeah. transition. Was it the Tony Robbins from his infomercials? And it was. Have I told you the story? Yes. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard this story, but I've heard Tony talk about his infomercials from back in the day. <laughs> it literally is, man. I remember I was up late procrastinating, trying not to write a paper that was due the next day. 
It was in one of my uh, doctoral programs. And uh, there was Tony, you know, flipping through the channels, you know, on Home Shopping Network. There he was. And yeah, he's like, yeah. you know, you know what? You know, depression. People try to defeat depression with being more depressed. And it doesn't work. Let me tell you what works. And so, you know, I was just frozen because this was what I was in, you know, experiencing it as within my clinicals, you know, how deeply stuck people were in things of depression. So I ordered his 30-day cassette tapes. It was cassette tapes back then. Listen yep, to it. Yep. Freaking brilliant, man. It just simplified this practical psychology things that was being overly complicated by the world of academia mm. and started applying his stuff with my clinicals, with my uh, my patients, man. It was amazing, the difference. My professors, you know, were like, Keith, you're, you're doing great work. What are you doing? Guess what they thought and t- said when I told them about this guy on the infomercial. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can I can only imagine uh, coming from yeah. academia, but uh. <laughs> oh yeah, man, they just about flipped out. And I said, you know, and they hated it. They were like, "You are that the charlatan?" That's it. I was like, "Well, hey, I thought we were after results. These people are getting better, and the people that I were in my clinicals, they were really experiencing great results." Uh, because I was applying the the art and science of NLP and NAC and all of those things and. It's just really factual uh, and became really enthralled with just the idea of brief systemic therapy that he, you know, Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonis have, uh, have developed. It's really, really good. Yeah. Strategic yeah, that, that's, that's interesting how you, you talked about like uh, what you were learning, like in academia versus the real world. Um, yeah. As a quick example for me, I, I got my master's in structural engineering uh, from Berkeley, which at the time was the top school ahead of MIT, Stanford, Texas, all those places. And very difficult. I was around some of the most brilliant engineers, uh, that I can imagine. I felt, I felt like the person, you know, the dunce in the corner with the hat and everything. (laughs) Um, You felt that way too? I have, I have a lot. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But you know, the, the reason I bring this up is when I got out of school, I got, uh, my first job, which was a, uh, consulting uh, position uh, at an engineering consulting firm. And uh, the first day they had me pull out the building code, which is any engineers, it's like their Bible. It's uh, the rules we follow and live by to design and build structures. Well, I had this master's degree from the top university in the country, and I did not know what the building code was. And wow. I, I I was so embarrassed. And, you know, because here I'm trying to, you know, make a good impression and everything. And I didn't know the first thing about engineering or really much about engineering design. And here I am uh, in the real world, not knowing how to apply academia and, and all, you know, I could do all these complicated math equations and this and that, but it had no real substance to get results in the real world. Mm. It's just interesting. It reminded me of that when, when you had talked about, you know, here, somebody like Tony Robbins and, you know, it, it was back in like the, the nineties, right. When he was on infomercials and all. Yeah. And I know, I know they get kind of get a bad rap because they were very salesy and all that. And Tony kind of pokes fun at it as well. But it's all, one of the things is like in life, like it's so important to get results. Like you could learn and know all these fancy equations or philosophies and and this and that. But if it's not changing people's lives, if it's not changing your life, like right. what's, what's the point, right? Yeah. If it's not getting you the real results, right. You know, you got to rethink those things just, just because they're cool or you like them. You know, the key to having a great life is being a result focused person. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. So 
So yeah, it sounds like I guess then your upbringing, it's, it's kind of been a path, like it's had its, you know, its jogs in it. Um, was, was there any specific, uh, events, like a specific event that you can remember that kind of was like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is, I don't know, like something that really kind of just like sparked this, uh, this path that you're on, or was it kind of just something that was kind of ingrained in your DNA? Well, I mean, it was developmental. Um, I found myself, I remember even in grade school, but especially high school, I was always the peacekeeper, you know, people getting fights and stuff in school. I was the guy that'd come in and break it up and talk to mm-hmm. people and reason with people. You know, I, I, I was just seemingly always that guy. And, you know, reflecting back now, you know, with a lot of the deep work that I've done on myself, because, you know, you always have to face yourself before you can really face anything else. Um, I remember growing up, you know, with an explosive alcoholic, uh, you have to learn to read people. You have to learn to read moods because my dad came in from work. He was a mechanic, worked Mm -hmm. hard, busted his knuckles, busted his back, man. You know, I have a great appreciation for that now. But when he would come in, you could read him immediately. Either you get, you shut up and get back to your room or you know what's coming. I mean, you get to Mm -hmm. get the help out of it. And, um, no, that was, that was really the thing that I think the, the Lord used uh, to spark this ability that I have, this sense of competency. Of course, I didn't see it then, but I began to see it develop in high school. And I can remember having a thought in high school and talking to my high school principal, a man that I still call Pop, wonderful, wonderful man named Herbert. And, um, you know, talking to him and him complimenting me on my gift to bring people together. And that stuck with me. And then seeing Tony, on that infomercial. Those are two big things yeah. that stand out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, when I introduced you at the beginning of the podcast, I had referred to you as Veritas, um, yeah. which you. is your, yeah, your, your superhero name. What, what does Veritas mean? It basically means truth um, in from Latin. And of course, there's different derivatives of that, but it's truth. And I was given that nickname truth when I was a part of a college ministry in Wichita Falls, Texas. Another great friend of mine, a man that was there for me in, in some low parts of my life, uh, the minister of, of a church there, a guy named Johnny Bond, a uh, great guy. Got to see him again just the other day at a Dallas Cowboys game. And uh, yeah, nice. yeah. he, we were deeply spiritual and you know praying and stuff. And he said, the Lord says your name is truth. And the Greek version of that is Aletheia or Aletheia. And uh, man, it just meant the world to me, especially when I was going through such a hard time in my life, uh, uh, you know, health stuff, you know, a divorce, uh, a bankruptcy. I mean, man, I just absolutely lost everything. So for me to be able to really embody the idea of truth was uh, really a huge thing. And then, of course, as you know, I have a practice uh, that I apply to myself and that I coach all of my clients in, which is recognizing the sages in your life, like an internal mm-hmm. positive force that's a voice that you listen to. And so it's a personification of really the man that I must be, let's say in a particular situation. And um, so Veritas is one of my sages or champion names, or as you said, superhero names, right? And I get to elicit the idea of Veritas and then embody it and manifest that guy. Like, okay, what would Veritas do in this moment? So I, I breathe like Veritas, I move like Veritas. I think, right, I speak and then I act as Veritas. And, uh, you know, the bringer of truth. So I've, I continually feed that guy. And we feed those guys by, you know, uh, paying attention to them, 
uh, thinking about them, praying about them, speaking, letting them speak through us. So like right now when I'm speaking to you, I'm just Veritas. Another one yep. that I have is servant leader, which means it doesn't have to be all about me. I can come here and have fun and just speak the truth and you know, not try to act cool or look cool, be the smart guy, but just be me. And that's enough. Yeah. More than enough. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. One, one thing I want to add to that too is uh, something that you've taught me is um, to feed those types of empowering personas mm-hmm. that you have is just the daily discipline of doing things um, for yourself. And it, it could be something as simple as breathing exercises. You know, it's, it's kind of, it sounds kind of goofy saying it, especially over the air, but I make, I make my bed every morning and it might not seem like much, but every time I do something that's important to me, that's a ritual to me. Um, I'm feeding what you call the sages and, uh, yep. And as we know, just like with our bodies, whatever we feed, uh, either, either helps or hurts our bodies. And it's the same thing with our mind and our, our rituals or our, uh, habits that we do every day. Well said. That's right. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I never heard the story behind Veritas, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, thanks man. Yeah. It came sp- to me, you know, in a real uh, dark time in my life where I was being accused of a lot of things, you know, through the, as divorces can be, they can be really nasty, you know, and, and it was just very timely for me to embody that and accept that. And what an honor it is to have that sage, to be that sage. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I, I n- I've never seen you wear spandex before, but a lot of superheroes <laughs> wear spandex, but what's part of your superhero costume? Do you have one or like, does it depend on, on which, which persona you're doing or just whatever you're doing in life? Like, is there a part, uh, to your, I know we get dressed, hopefully everybody gets dressed every, every morning. Is there, um, a certain, uh, type of, uh, costume or something that maybe an article of, uh, like a watch or anything like that, um, an artifact, so to speak, that you have that, that you carry around with you? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Lots of things. And as you know, just like in the 100 day challenge uh, that I created, um, you know, dressing for success is a big part of the persona that you want to put on. And so depending on what I have going on, that could either be, you know, a nice suit. Uh, I I like, you know, to make sure I'm dressing the part. You know, one of the one of the intensive events we're creating is a James Bond experience in London. And you get to get a bespoke suit and like a tuxedo. It's going to be cool. But my everyday would be, of course, my my wedding ring, which reminds me of the honor and the privilege I have to be Adrienne's husband. But then also this Celtic silver cross that was given to me by one of my mentors, my first real martial arts instructor, uh, Grand Elder Fred Weeks. And, and then, you know, other things. I like to dress every day in like work clothes. So I'll wear blue jeans or like clothing that, you know, a man would get out and work in. And it reminds me, be a man, be prepared. You know, be capable, be able mm-hmm. to go and do things. So I purposely dress this way um, so that because in between clients, if I have a break, I'll go out and I'll do things like shoot or uh, throw knives or train in martial arts. And and I do it just, you know, I don't put on a special uniform or a gi. You know, I, I make sure that it's very deployable within what I'm wearing. So that if I'm out somewhere, I'm, I still have capabilities of helping someone or defending someone or just doing good work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree hundred percent. It's like, 
if you went outside wearing pajamas, would you feel that capable? Would you feel like that persona? And uh, chances are you probably won't. You might be pretty comfortable, I guess, depending on the t- time of year, it might be a little hot out, but um, right. you're absolutely right. Like being, and I think one of the most important things about that is being intentional, intentional about how you present yourself uh, physically, how you present yourself emotionally. Sure. And um, I know, I know you, you tell me that quite a bit, be purposeful, <laughs> purposeful in everything you do. And um, it's just, it's so important. Um, you had, you had mentioned something that, uh, I believe your principal had told you, uh, that you're able to bring people together. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, yeah. would you consider that a, a superpower of yours? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's one of the things I enjoy the most. And I love how you're putting this as a superpower because it is, because I believe in something called force multipliers, which are things that magnify our experience in life. And it could be something as simple as thinking about something and then writing it down and just multiply that force or speaking to someone about it. It gets even stronger. But then when you bring people together and connect them together, that's relationships are one of the strongest force multipliers of all time. Like having mm-hmm. a tribe of men or a brotherhood or our relationship and showing up and being there for each other and learning from each other and holding each other accountable and being moral compasses, you know, pointing to what's right for one another. That to me is a really very, very, very powerful force multiplier which makes it a superpower. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. And yeah, there's, there's nothing more important than surrounding yourself with, with those kinds of people, people that bring you up, people that keep you accountable, uh, that hold that standard for you. So when, when you're not hitting your mark, they're, they're out of love. It might not be what you want to hear. It might not be, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, some people like, like with you and I, it's, I call it tough love. And yeah. somebody from the outside might, might hear how, how sometimes we talk to each other and be like, man, that was really mean. And I just <laughs> turn to them and I'm like, mean, the guy loves me like unconditionally. Like, this is awesome. Like I need a kick right. in the butt sometimes, you know, it, it can't be all just, it can't be all carrots. Sometimes there's got to be a, a little bit of the stick. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's what real friends do for each other. You know, we say that's what, how men treat each other, but Women need those friends too, right? It's what people yeah. need to be doing for each other. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Um, cool. Now I appreciate uh, appreciate all your your uh, drops of knowledge. It's just you're like a, a bottomless well of of uh, of knowledge. <laughs> so I, I just love it. Oh, um, thanks, brother. Yeah. Re- real quick, once again, um, Dr. Wagner uh, is the founder of a nonprofit called Operation Rescue Children which arms rescuers with the tactical training they need to enter the darkest corners of the world, take down human traffickers, and set captives free. You can find more information at operationrescuechildren.org. If you want to learn more about Dr. Wagner and the variety of coaching services he provides, you can check, uh, check out more of that at keithwagner.com. And then also for his immersion events and coaching as well, you can go to undisputedmastery.com. Um, so Keith, um, Veritas, yes, um, Mr. Ace, what, yeah. <laughs> what's, um, what's something that you, you talk to me a lot about doing things that you're passionate about, you know, something that, that you're thinking about, you're excited about at night. And then when the morning comes, the first thought in your head, you're just ready to jump out of bed. Cause you're 
so excited to uh to take on the day and live your mission, live your purpose. What what are some of the things that are keeping you up late and getting you up early these days? Great question. We'll start with um, getting up early. I love my rituals, man. You know, just the daily disciplines of getting up and dedicating the gift of life to God, um, and then to the missions that that I have, man. That that's that's worthy to me. That's that's worth getting out of bed, even when I'm tired. You know, we mm-hmm. had a, a very immersive event last weekend. Yeah, I think it was last weekend. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of night training. And so we had night vision goggles on, stayed up all night. And so like that Friday, I was up almost 24 hours, crazy. I got about three or four hours of sleep, got up, did it again, you know, and just saw this client transform and just the competency and then just the cool factor of being able to do that stuff. Uh, Tired as all get out, did an eight hour drive home from Texas. I didn't get home till 10 or 11 o'clock that Sunday night, running on about you know, five, six hours of sleep for the entire weekend. Got mm. back up, man, and did it Monday morning, 8 a.m. with <clears throat> first client. But before that, I got up and did my rituals. Because without it, man, my tank runs on empty. So you get up, you do your rituals. It fills you with life. And it may be uncomfortable. You may be really tired like I was. But you realize that when you enter into that place, you really, it's both neurological, as you have done tons of research and understand how we uh, get those neurotransmitters to work in really in the way that we want them to um, yeah. is we got to get up and do. And so if you feel like your tank is running on empty and you don't, let's say, hydrate and eat well and move well, and then get the mindset that, you know, require that is that is required to be excited for your day, you you'll stay empty. But if you do, you'll fuel yourself. So I know it's an absolute must, just like you would drink water, just like you would sleep. I've made this just a non-negotiable in my life. And that I always look forward to that because I realize the result of what that'll do for me in my life. That's what gets me yeah. up in the morning. And then I get to do stuff like talk to guys like you. I mean, who doesn't want that? <laughs> I could really That's be true. exhausted, but then you know, talk with you, Matthew, and it's just amazing. Because it's my absolute honor and privilege to walk with you in life and to see all the great things you're doing for yourself and your great decisions and how you're empowering yourself and empowering other people. I mean... And it's, it's better than any TV show you can ever watch. It's real life. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's not passive. It's active. And, uh, from, from the short amount of time comparatively to, uh, that I've been doing more things like writing a book, doing this podcast, um, doing other things to really, you know, working with ORC. It's amazing how, once you start doing things outside of yourself, how much more energy that gives you. And when you start empowering and leading other people and you see them taking the ball and running and improving their lives and everything, it's just, there's nothing that gives me more energy than that. And I can honestly say you do a lot of that and I can see how that can get your energy levels back up, fill your, fill your heart up, fill your soul up because you're just doing such uh, just amazing things for people. And I can say, yeah, I've, I've drinking the Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, so to speak, but it, yeah. it is a good Kool-Aid. It's, it is a good Kool-Aid cause it, it never, it's never empty. You always have more to give, more to give, more to give because you're getting so much back in return. It's just not like a give take type of thing. That's right. So That's right. I get way more than I give. It's, it's a, it's really not fair to you for me to talk to you. As your coach, <laughs> I get to I get to talk to you. I'm like, whoa, this, what a what a deal! 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't, you don't hear that side from like uh, life coaches or uh, mentors, things like that. You, you don't get to hear from them. A lot of times I feel like how much enjoyment they get from what they do. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, f- from like our coaching, like I, I see the amazing transformations that have happened with inside me. And I know how valuable spending my time with you and, and, um, and other people that I learn from, I always see how valuable it is to me and how much better my life is now because of the, the choices and the decisions I've made. However, like, right. yeah, now that I'm starting to be on the other side of it, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed everything I've been able to help you with, but you should feel what I'm feeling right now. This is incredible. <laughs> That's right. That's it. You get it. You totally get it. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I think it's another, another sign just to, when, when you experience things like this, it, it knows it, it's more confirmation that you're headed down the right path. Yeah, that's right. A hundred percent. And that's when your heart is in it and your heart's in the middle of it and you really love it, man, you're going to be passionate about it. You research, you'll study, you'll grow, you become more knowledgeable. And you know, one of the biggest currencies with any relationship, especially something like a, being a mentor or a coach. And because, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big responsibility. People are trusting you to lead them in the proper way. One of the biggest payoffs of that is just really being able to love. And that's the biggest currency. When you really care about your people, you're going to want to connect. You'll want to hear from them. They'll never be a bother. And people say, sorry to bother. You're like, what? Are you crazy? No, this is, this is, this is, this is my life. This is what I do. And a guy like me, you know, financially, I got all these other companies as an entrepreneur that pay me. I don't have to get paid to coach. I coach because I love it. Absolutely. Just like I love connecting yeah. with you. Your transformations, yeah. man, they're just, I'm, I'm just in awe of the man who, who you are as a man and the way you've developed your strength, your outlook, your progress, and your mission that you've taken on. It's, it's not for the, for the meek and weary. It's for yeah. a man who's strong like you are, Ace. I appreciate you saying that. And I feel very blessed um, that I've found people like yourself, you know, other guys like Mark Garrison, uh, who are just men that, that lead very well because they lead themselves first and they just, you know, they have a strong mission, they have a strong identity and they use their strengths and their tools to help and empower other people. And, um, yeah, it's just, I feel completely blessed that I've been able to, uh, work with yourself and Mark and other people that are just good, amazing people. And the craziest thing about all this too, is the more you start putting yourself around people like yourself, um, and, and things like that, like you start to realize there are so many amazing people in this world. There are so many loving, caring, like, I feel like especially here in America, we kind of get bombarded by news and media and things like that. And it, for me personally, I just kind of fell trapped to that, uh, news outlets, you know, fear, shock, uh, things that they use to sell, uh, news sources. And even on my phone, social media, there there's, there can be so much negativity, but when you start surrounding yourself with good, uplifting, empowering people that care about each other, that want to make big changes, uh, in other people's lives, you start to realize that there's this whole world of amazing people and it just opens up this brand new door. It's like 
you go from a mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. And that, that I think that was the biggest transformation for me. And so many things have happened because of that. Um, just thinking in all walks of life, things, think of things more abundantly because then things like fear and, and things like that, uh, they're, they're going to be there, but you don't let them control what you're seeing and control what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. Well said, man. Well said. That's right. Oh. Well, one thing I want to touch on, um, and I've never heard this from anybody before, but most people understand what IQ is, your intellectual quotient, uh, even more recently, EQ, your emotional quotient. But you teach something that I don't think I've heard anywhere else. I don't think there's been anything officially written about this. Uh, I could be wrong. So if if any listeners know about this other than <laughs> apparently other than me, let me know. But um, you teach about something called AQ, which is adaptability quotient. Can you uh, essentially tell me <laughs> and our listeners what AQ is and then also things you can do to uh, to better your AQ? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And well said. Uh, AQ, as my research and development continues with like military operators and uh, especially people like that, is really your ability to adapt well in a particular situation, especially when under stress. And some of my favorite ways to create a conversation around that is, you know, being able to make good decisions based on what we call correct response patterns in a moment of stress. So a correct response uh, that develops a pattern is, or responses or decisions you make uh, consistently over time. Um, and either it'll take us towards the result that we're really after, or they'll take us away from a result that we're really after. So for instance, if somebody walks up to me and I think that I have the answer to stop them from punching me in the face, but then if I get punched in the face over and over and over, and I don't make a decision to pay attention to that, to recognize that and correct that, right? Well, then, you know, my, I have an incorrect response pattern, unless I just love getting punched in the face. But if my real goal is not to get punched in the face, well, then I have to ask myself, okay, why am I not willing to address that? One of the main reasons that helps us recognize patterns and be willing to change them, make a better decision and pick a better goal, you know, a better result, like not getting punched in the face, is our ability to face our level of competency. AQ is directly related to a skill set based on whatever it is that you want to do. I'm sure you've heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect which is like a learning curve idea. So this is the mm -hmm. idea that um, people who really are lack competence have high confidence. So this level is confidence. Mm. This level is competence or skill set and ability. And so it works both sides. So the higher the confidence levels are the people who don't know, who don't have competence. And then as you begin to learn, you lose confidence because you know just enough now to go, wait a minute, there's so much here that I need to learn. And then right. uh, your confidence starts to go back up, the more competent you get. And so both yep. very, very incompetent people and highly competent people both share very similar levels of confidence. And so the real answer, though, uh, in a moment of pressure and stress where you can't hide, where you can't pretend, where you can't just act like you know what you're doing, or you can't get away with really being incompetent. That's the answer to AQ. How do I know how to make decisions under pressure? Well, I have to identify the skill sets and the knowledge that I need so that I can be calm, keep my EQ, my emotions in check, right, so that I can recognize the target and go for whatever it is I need. 
And we have an immersive course that I partner with some people on called Principled Savage. And you may know a little bit about that, Matthew. And uh, one of the ways that we test and develop AQ there is putting people on a firing range. It's not like an indoor range where you're just poking holes in paper. You're moving and you're shooting and people are assaulting you and you have to punch, you have to stab and you have to do things on the run, right? And my ability to focus on the target in front of me and not skip it or not miss it, right? To be able to be calm enough to understand the result in the moment and then execute with competency and effectiveness with an immediate feedback system, either you hit the target or you don't, is the way that we measure AQ. And let me ask you a question, if I may. How did you get better AQ on that firing range? How'd you get better? Oh, better. And and have confidence. Well, I I would say one of the most important things is um, keeping keeping calm under the pressure. You know, uh, things we were working with real firearms. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of dangers that can happen if you're not following proper protocol. I can't be swinging the gun around um, or if I need to reload, pointing it towards myself or someone like yourself. Um, And so uh, always following certain things that you guys taught us, certain protocols, uh, that was huge. Um, And getting the reps in, you know, I... Before that event, uh, the principled savage event in my life, I probably had fired maybe a couple hundred rounds at most. Um, that weekend, in the span of 24 hours, you and Harley had uh, Joshua and I shoot each over a thousand rounds. Yeah. And so, so take whatever I did in my life, multiply it probably by five to seven and put that in a 24 hour period. Well, that's a whole lot of reps. And w- once we learned the protocol, once we learned the reps, um, it was just taking action at that point. But then when the stress would build up, what I noticed is starting to miss target. Maybe I'm pulling the trigger, something like that. And so that's really, uh, when, when I had to take time, evaluate everything, take a breath, re you know, collect myself, change, you know, usually it hap- I would have to change my, my posture, my breathing, something like that, and really trying to remain calm under an intense amount of pressure and just refocusing and then following those protocols and, and going forward. And um, yeah, it was, um, it was an intense experience. It was a great experience. Um, and everything you, you just said about AQ, um, if I went in that thing, with no competency whatsoever, I could probably run around, shoot a couple things, do it dangerous, not a good dangerous, but a bad dangerous. But I thought <laughs> I would probably, you'd ask me afterwards how you did. I'll be like, Oh, I did great. Oh, I hit that one. I hit that one. And then, but in all reality, it, I did terrible. Meanwhile, I was putting tons of people's lives, potential lives, uh, in, uh, you know, so it's just, um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm starting no, to remember. It. You're reliving it right here. I love it. Well yeah. done. So, yeah. And if you've ever read Stephen Kotler, like his book, The Art of Impossible, it's one that I really recommend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I have read that one actually. Yeah. yeah. Talks about flow state and the challenge curve, right? And the challenge curve is this idea of how much you can press people, how much pressure and uh, that they can take in a particular activity especially if like it's something worth real stakes, real consequences on the line, like handling uh, live firearms, right? You can only push them so far 
before they can spin out of that curve, right? And so one of the mm-hmm. things that we've developed is a way of reading and helping people stay in that challenge arc. Because under here, if it's not challenging enough, right? Well, then the, the idea of the development of the AQ and the development of your true potential is, doesn't happen. You have to build up the pressure enough, kind of like cooking meat, right? You have to build up enough pressure to get them just to that arc. It's almost like a, an arc of momentum that carries them over. And then you must give them time to rest and recuperate and process that. Uh, and so that's what the event is really about. And that's how you develop AQ. And you leave the weekend not only more confident because you look back at the real evidence, like, wow, look what I did. I did this. I thought that was impossible before. Now it is possible and you're more competent. Now, the key to do, keep keeping AQ and making sure it's not just a cool weekend that you did that one time is training and then trusting your training and building on it. Because AQ yeah. is built on real experience, failure, learning, correction, right? Repeat so that you can build a real skill set. Yeah. What's, what's, um, you just reminded me of something, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the, the man, the man in the, uh, arena, the man yeah. in the arena. Yeah, yeah. It, totally. I know that that kind of reminds me of like gladiator or something like that. But like, honestly, like there's in, in that kind of scenario, there's two types of people in this world. There's the people in the arena and, and the spectators. And if you're not yeah. the person who is willing to make mistakes and uh, just give it a shot and try their best, well, you're probably somebody just sitting on the sidelines, kind of just watching other people live life. That's right. Well done. Well said. That's right. You got to get out there. It can be scary, but you've got to get out there to build real competence. You know, the answer, you can listen to people like Jordan Peterson. I mean, they'll tell you the way that you overcome trauma is by becoming more dangerous, more competent, more capable, not by shrinking back from it. That builds terror. That builds trauma. That builds, you know, distress. So you got to go do, even if it's scary. That's another important reason to have people that you can trust to help you train. Um, right. because well, I mean, you tell me, but one of the things I pride myself in the most in the events that we have is that it's built on a foundation of love and support. Now it's hard. We press you. We don't let you give up, but we're not calling you a quitter and trying to wash you out. No, we're encouraging you. And we walk beside you the entire way. There's a big difference yeah. in how you build AQ. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. And it was just, yeah, it's not tearing somebody down. It's, it's, uh, help propping them up when they fall right. or when they stumble. So that's right. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about, uh, operation rescue children. I had mentioned that's a couple of times already that you are the founder of that organization. How'd that come about? Um, cause I know it's, it's a newer nonprofit. How, how did you even b- get into the realm of, of, uh, stopping and fighting against, uh, sex trafficking? Yeah, thank you for asking. Your previous guest, Adam, came to my church and talked to us about this particular issue. My wife, Adrienne, and I were there, and I was just like, say what? You got to be kidding me. 40 million, over 40 million, going on 50 million slaves in the world today. And he made the statement, there are more slaves in the world today than ever before. I was like, more than the Civil War, really? More than like back in the times of Moses? Come on. And so I did what any studious person would do. I left church, hightailed at home, Googled it, looked it up on the Global Slavery Index, and it's for real. I about had a heart attack. I was like, what? There's no way. I mean, if you, you know, watch 
Adam on your podcast, you're going to see how just well spoken and just what a great guy he is. I thought, man, I got to do something. And so I thought, hey, yeah. let's have him over for dinner. That's what was going to be the extent of what I was going to do. <laughs> like, you know, we'll, we'll feed him. And so he and yeah. his family came over and we started talking. I just fell more and more in love with as, as he was just conveying the message of what he's dedicated his life to and his family. And uh, invited him down to my basement and he saw all my martial arts training equipment down there. He's like, whoa, you do all this stuff? He's like, hey, hey, we need help. He said, you know, the traffickers are being backed by cartels and terrorist organizations and they're becoming more and more sophisticated. We need training. A lot of our guys don't have any training. We're getting slaughtered. Can you come help us? And I'm like, whoa, that's bigger than just having you over for dinner. I said, let me think about this and pray about it. And then as I did more research and got down into it, I realized, whoa, this is a little bit over my pay grade. Even though I've been a lifelong martial artist, I said, this problem deserves the best in the world. The absolute best. Mm -hmm. It won't do. uh, Nothing but that will do. So I called up a couple of my really good friends, Harley Elmore and his wife, Crystal, who do this kind of work. They train top tier operators like Navy SEALs and, you know, all those three letter agency words. I mean, you know, just the best of the best of the best. And I presented this to him and it was a long shot because, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that he teaches is not allowed out of the country. We don't want it to fall in the hands of the bad guys, but he got special permission to go. And so uh, I hired he and his wife to come over and I uh, joined Harley and he and I taught a course, um, a five day course uh, out of country and um, to support uh, a team that's there in place to stop human trafficking. And uh, I fell in love with it. The team we were training fell in love with it and Harley fell in love with it. And he and his wife said, hey, we want to do this. This is what we want our life to be about. And so we then co-founded Operation Rescue Children and created our 501c3. And uh, we're helping people domestically, internationally. We train teams all around the world. And the thing that I love about it is we train them for free because sometimes even like law enforcement agencies, even governmental agencies like special forces agencies, they have budget cuts to where they have to choose between, um, you know, training, which they absolutely need. It's always about software, right? It's about your ability, but they have to choose between that and equipment, hardware. I mean, like a new gun or a bulletproof vest or something like that. Can you imagine that they have to skimp on that stuff to have training? So we're like, nope. mm -mm." And so what we do is I'd like to think of it as a 10 X project, because when we train a team of operators to go out and stop human trafficking, then we empower them to do their job over and over and over and over. It's more than just saving one child. It's, it's disrupting entire networks of car, cartel and trafficking organizations. So we're saving thousands and thousands of children. And I was like, yeah, now that's something I can get behind. And so we do that and uh, we create programs to actually help them with integrative combatives and, you know, inter- interdiction, you know, intervention, all those things where they're out there stopping the bad guys. And we also help coach them on their mindset, on the real things that, you know, help them to keep going. And a lot of that is tribe and culture and making sure that they have outlets of support and prayer so that they can keep doing the, you know, the, the real heroes work. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's that so cool. <laughs> you can be talking yeah. about it, bro. I'll get so passionate. I don't stop. <clears throat> yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's an exciting thing for me to be a part of. Um, yeah. And the, the ripple effect of something like that is huge. Mm-hmm. And that's how legacies really are created. I know I'm jumping over to legacy real quick, but that's such an important thing too, because 
something you taught me, which was the, um, the principle or the, you know, the, the metaphor of 10,000 hands, Yeah. essentially there's people that have come before us and there's people that have come after us in everything that we do, whether it's good right. or bad. And to be able to be part of something like this, where you're helping stop evil in the world and their, you know, their method specifically is through sex trafficking. There's people that have done it before us and there's going to be people that are doing it well after us, but to be here right here, right now, being a part of the solution rather than the problem and knowing that there's all these people that have come before you that can, that you can call upon, draw upon energy. And when, when you do something and you've done something and empowered these people through the training, through, um, the education and everything, they're going to do it. Like you said, over 10 X over and over and over again, but imagine the people that they're going to be affecting at that point as well. And so now yes. all these what like you say, 10,000 hands, people before us and after us that are going to carry the torch and, and making sure that this, this problem gets better and better. Amen. Well said. Yeah. And that concept of 10,000 hands or 10 million hands, what is a metaphor? Yeah. It comes from a tribal system called Sayat Kali. It's a martial arts system that uh, Tuhan Harley has trained me in and I've been privileged to be in, but it's an ancient idea. That, you know what, we never stand alone. We stand on the shoulders of great men and women who've come before us and even sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have the knowledge and the abilities that we have. So we owe it to everybody that's come before us to, who are capable to do what we can do. You know, people ask us all the time, why? Why do this? Why this? Why not something else? There are other worthy causes. And a part of the reason is, is because we can. And I don't mean for that to sound trite, but the idea is that this really came to us and we just so happen. I don't think it's an accident. I think it's really God. Uh, we have the capabilities and the networks to train these people. We have access to them. So we've got to, it's a must. We can't just sit back. I mean, you know, I could choose something easier. I could choose something less traumatic and dark, and, you know, and just sickening, but no, this is what we're called to do. So we're going to do it. Yeah. No. And, I always like to tell myself, like, once I know better, I do better. Mm. And it's like, you can't unlearn. Would you, would you say almost 50 million people in sex slavery in the world today? Well, that's a variety like, of different types of slavery, but in total, yeah. That's just an estimate. Okay. I mean, there's probably way yeah. more than we even know about. Right, right. And yeah, like, once you know better, you do better because now you have no excuses, right? You can't plead right. ignorance. That's and, right. um, and that's where real power, real responsibility comes is what's the, uh, the Spider-Man quote. Everyone says with, with great power comes great responsibility, essentially power equals responsibility, but you could still have power and no responsibility. And I believe the original quote was, was not with great power comes great responsibility. It's with great power. There must also come great responsibility and I think uh, modern Marvel has kind of, yeah, watered it down a little bit, but, um, you know, it, if, and, and this is just the way I live my life is with responsibility, with power or sorry, with power, with knowledge, all of that, I have to be responsible with it or else why do I have it in the first place? 
Mm, well said. Well said. That's right. There's a reason, right? There's a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And we we don't take that lightly. It's very sacred to us. So this work is, you know, a real work that I believe God has given us. And we, we must, we must act. And yeah. people like you join in this man, very capable men that we love and trust and and respect. You know, we're in this together, brother. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, no, no. It, it all comes from this side. Like I, I appreciate everything that you've done for me. I appreciate all your love, your support, your guidance. And um, it has been a real privilege because I know you're very selective with what podcast you go on. I know there's a lot of people that want your time, want your energy. And I feel just completely honored that uh, mm. you didn't only say yes, you enthusiastically said yes to be oh, on this yes. show with me. And uh, <laughs> it's my honor, it's, bro. It, because <laughs> of who you are. Well, Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. And it's cool to be on the other side of it. I actually get to get to ask you the questions instead of uh, <laughs> instead of you asking me the questions and me just like hitting my head against the wall, trying to come up with answers when I'm just like, please just tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you and respect you way too much just to feed you the answers. That's true. Well, that, that, that wouldn't be the best type of coaching. I don't think either just do X, yeah. Y, and Z. Well, why, why? Yeah. But now it, it, it's cool to, to be able to actually ask you a few questions and I appreciate you opening up uh, about yourself and your life and everything. Um, you're just a very genuine person, a very, um, honorable person. And I'm just, uh, blessed to, uh, to be in your presence anytime, anytime I am. Likewise, brother. I count it a great honor. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun, Keith. And I know we'll be talking again soon, but, um, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, just amazing things. Uh, once again, his nonprofit, which also I am a part of is Operation Rescue Children. You can find more information ab uh, about it at operationrescuechildren.org. You could also donate online. And there's a lot of good things coming out of that organization as far as fundraising and things like that. So check out that website. Um, also go to keithwagner.com to learn more about Keith and his coaching and the services that he provides. And then also undisputedmastery.com. Uh, there's a great immersion event that he holds every year uh, called Undisputed Mastery. And there's also, uh, he does coaching through that with a lot of great coaches as well. So with that said, Veritas, thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know I've said that probably a million times, but I can't <laughs> say it enough. Um, and I, you know, like I tell everybody these days, it seems like the best is yet to come. Our best days are ahead of us. I honestly I believe do. that. And, um, I'm so happy that I get to, uh, experience this journey we called life, uh, and you be a, a big part of it. Thank you, brother. Likewise, man. Thank you for having me here. Anything you need, you let me know. You guys listen to this man, read his book. What's wrong with you? Read his book. Get it now. Change your life forever. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be coming out soon. It'll be coming out soon. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll do a, a little ad, uh, superhero by design. We are mm -hmm. all, I truly believe superheroes and we can design who we are and the type of lives that, that we want to live. And yeah. it's possible. I've done it with the help of uh, Dr. Wagner um, and I'm living proof and you can, uh, you can design any person or life you want. Guaranteed. Mm. Yeah. And so. that is super. That is a real superpower. You've got it right. I love it. 
<laughs> all righty well take care of everybody appreciate the time uh, until next time peace out